My name is Hunter Tan, and you're listening to the Legacy of Ministry podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the legacy left by my grandfather, Pastor David Tan, and his 55-year ministry. During that time, he took seriously the call to go into the world and make disciples. He traveled the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and pastor churches in Auburn, Washington and Missoula, Montana. He had a heart for God's word. These are his sermons. And while they may be 20 years old, I know that as you listen, you will find that the word he preached is still living and active. God has never, ever once failed us. But I say, oh God, there is much more that I need from you. I need God every single day, every single moment of every single day. We need more of God. Where am I going to get my values, the word or the world? If you build them on values from the word of God, they are eternal values. How many know they're going to last forever? This is David Tan's Legacy of Ministry. Well, I want to talk to you for just a little bit about answering the question, does Jesus have the power to change my life? And I think that most everybody in this room knows that he does. But one question that people ask often is, why is it I can't change? I try to change. I've done all the things I know how to do, but I just don't have the power to change. Break those habits. And and just power to change what I'm doing. Well, you know, you're not alone in this struggle. The Apostle Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 7. In verse number 15, he said this, I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very things I hate. Have you ever been there? You ever felt like, you know, you really want to do, you, you, you said to God, God, if you help me through this, I will never do this again. And then you went right back and did it again. You hated yourself. You hated what you were doing. But you just didn't have the ability or the power to change. And then in verse 17 of Romans 7, he says, but I can't help myself. Because it is sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. It's the sin problem that we have that causes us to do the evil things. You look at the news and you see what's going on in Iraq and the the, the terrible things that are happening. It's sin that causes people to do the things that they're doing. And then he describes many of us. When he says in verse 24 of chapter 7, what a miserable man I am, who will save me from this body that brings me death? 
find myself doing the things I don't want to do. I hate myself for it. And then he says, what a miserable man I am. And if we were honest with ourselves, we would have to agree that we've all been there at one time or another. Some of you might be there right now. Saying, how can I be delivered from this? Well, here's the answer. Verse number 25, I thank God for saving me through Jesus Christ our Lord. The hope that we have is in Jesus Christ. What happened on the cross 2,000 years ago and when he was resurrected. So that's the good news of Easter. That's what Jesus' death and resurrection is all about. Paul further says when he's writing to the Philippian church, chapter 3, verse 10, he said, All I want to know is Christ and experience the power of his resurrection. Boy, I want to tell you something. If, if that was your prayer, if that is your prayer today and that happened in your life, you experienced the power of his resurrection. Believe me that the things that you are doing are going to not be so difficult not to do. Because it's now Christ living in me. Paul further said, he said, it is no longer me that's living, but it's Christ that's living through me. And then in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20, the power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. That's where he is right now. And you know something, the same power that, that, that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says that same power is in you today if you're a born again believer. And just as Jesus was victorious, you can be victorious today by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word power is used 57 times in the New Testament. It's a book of power. In fact, Easter is the most powerful event that ever happened in history. It split history in half. Can you imagine, and I have a difficult time imagining uh, somebody who's an atheist say, I don't believe in God, and they write out a check and put 2004. 2004 from what? Huh? From the death of Christ, before Christ and after Christ. That is what split history in half. And we're going to talk a little bit about power. Is this getting a little loud? Everybody okay? If it's too loud, put up your hand. You lose. <laughs> There's only about 10 of you, so what am I going to do? You know, I shouldn't have asked the question. I'll try not to be so loud. <laughs> But I want to talk to you today about the resurrection. I want to talk to you about power. 
you have in your notes three things that the resurrection power can do for you. Number one, it is the power to cancel your past. I've talked a lot about this in the last few months because since the movie The Passion of the Christ came out, uh, there's been interest in what does it all mean? And so I have talked to you about about, about this, and I want to share just a little bit with you. Because all your failures, your mistakes, your sins, your regrets, the Bible says that when you come to Jesus Christ, the power of God cancels them. And I'm not talking about denying your past. I'm not saying that you say, well, it never happened because it did. But cancel means to eliminate or to neutralize, to get rid of, to wash it out once and for all. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That is the word of God for you this morning. Have you ever wished that you could start over again? All the mistakes you've made, I wish I could wipe them out. Failures, problems, bad decisions. Everybody has regrets because nobody's perfect. I don't measure up to my own standards, let alone God's standards. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And some people have a difficult time letting go of their past. They live in the state of regret. If only, if only I hadn't done that, if only I hadn't been there, if only, and they torture themselves with all the painful memories of how they blew it and how they try to, to, to save themselves or they pay for it for the rest of their lives. And God says that is not necessary. Listen. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, he, it says, He has forgiven all our sins. Say, all our sins. Every one of them. There's not one of them that's left. It says, And He has canceled every record of the debt that we had to pay. He canceled it. It's wiped out. It's gone. He's forgiven them all. What is sin? What does it mean? How many, how many, uh, you know, we're in Montana, a lot of people do hunting. Uh, how many have ever gone bow and arrow hunting? Well, if you take your bow and arrow and you put a uh, uh, bullseye somewhere and you shoot at it and you miss it, that's what sin is. That's what it means. Missing the mark. You try to hit that mark, you miss it. That's why the Bible says all of us have missed the mark. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why Jesus had to come. You know, if we could hit the bullseye every time, if we could have done it ourselves, uh, he would not have to have suffered on the cross like he did. But because of sin, he came and and, and gave himself for us. And the wages of that sin is death, the Bible says. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The good news 
is that God offers complete forgiveness. How many are glad for that? Now, Jesus Christ knows the things you've done wrong. At least he knew of them when you did them. In John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, I didn't, I didn't come to condemn the world, I came to save it. Aren't you glad today that he didn't come to condemn you? Man, I, I tell you what, we've all sinned so much, and yet he said, I didn't come to condemn you, but I came to forgive you. He says, I want to cancel all of your past mistakes. He gives us a brand new start. It is an offer that is beyond imagination. Can you imagine if, if, if a psychologist could take you into a room and tell you and, and convince you and do something to you that would convince you that everything you've ever done wrong is never there anymore, it's gone forever. How many know we wouldn't have any psychologists in the world? Well, that's exactly what Jesus said he can do for you. What happens when you're forgiven? There is now, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. This is a continuation of what uh, Paul says in Romans 7. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means you don't have to go around living under condemnation anymore. You don't have to go around beating yourself on the back. I... I was watching TV the other day and I saw how that in, in, in the Philippines they go through the ritual and they actually put nails in the hands and the feet of some volunteers to try to atone for their sin. But that is not necessary. You cannot save yourself. There is no way in the world you can buy your way into God's favor or you can do anything to save yourself. It is only the gift of God through Jesus Christ. And when that happens, there is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, one of his last words on the cross was, it is finished. Literally, that means I paid the price in full. So therefore, your sin can now be canceled. That's what I did, Jesus said, for you on the cross. So number one, it, it, it has the power to change your past. Number two, it's the power to conquer your problems. How many, how many have, have problems in your life? Let me ask it again so you won't have to feel like you lied this morning. How, how many... <laughs> we all do. I'm not going to make you raise your hand because all of us do. You've got them and I've got them. It's part of life. And if you don't think if you have no problems, I suggest you check your pulse <laughs> to see if your heart is still beating. Our real problem is what we do with our problems. We try to solve them in our own power, in our own strength. 
But Jesus has done that for us. Now listen, here's what, he, what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 35 and 37. Who shall separate us from the... That's after, after you've come to Christ and after you've given your life to him, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And you can go on and make any kind of list you want. And then he said, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We're more than conquerors. And what does that mean? A conqueror is somebody who overcomes by gaining control. That's what's going on in Iraq right now. They're trying to gain control, to conquer. And there's an army that's fighting and somebody else comes in and, and they're, they're, they're trying to gain control. And when Jesus Christ gains control of your life, uh, I want to tell you, my friend, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. There are many people who feel that their lives are out of control or they're victims of their circumstances. Yes, ask somebody, how you doing? Well, I'm doing fine under the circumstances. I've heard preachers say this often, so I'm going to just say it with them. What are you doing under your circumstances? You know, circumstances are like a mattress. If you lay on top of it, you're comfortable. But how many know if you put the mattress on top of you, you're going to suffocate? You will. And so Jesus wants to give you, he, he doesn't want you to live under the circumstances, he wants you to live above them. Because he has already paid the price for every mistake. That's why he said, we are more than conquerors. We are super conquerors. Overwhelming victory is ours in Jesus Christ. And the same power that enabled Jesus to step out of the tomb enables you to live victoriously. Number three, it's the power to change your personality. What would you like to change about you? Well, let me ask it this way. What would your spouse like to change about you? We could have some testimonies right now. <laughs> that probably would be a little more accurate. What is it you want to see changed? When you commit your life to Christ, that's the initial turning point. When somebody becomes a Christian, he or she becomes a new person inside. The Bible says old things are passed away and all things are become new. A new life has begun. What happens? God says, I want to wipe out your past. You know, when you stand before God one day, and, and you, you, you say to him, God, you know, there is some sin that I committed. I, I remember, and he's going to look at you and say, what are you talking about? Because he doesn't remember it. How many believe that? He doesn't, the Bible says it. He doesn't remember it. It's gone. It's buried. It's history. I, wanna, I want you to see a video this morning. 
Valerie Abenroth. Valerie, won't you stand? She's right here. So this is, this is a true testimony of what God did in her life. And I want you to listen to it. Hi, my name is Jennifer Carino, and I'm a member of Christian Life Center. I have a daughter here by the name of Faye, and her and I came here, um, gosh, I guess it's been a couple months now. We heard this one a couple weeks ago, I'm sorry. It's a wonderful testimony, but that's not the one we're looking for. Aren't you glad that sound men make mistakes once in a while? Let's see if we get the right one here. There we go. Now we don't have sound. I've been since 2001. My life was changed forever almost eight years ago at Christian Life Center during the Passion Play when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years And I never found anything that came close to what I have found in Jesus Christ. He's made my life brand new. He has restored all of the brokenness in my heart, all of the destroyed relationships and everything that Satan had meant to destroy. Jesus has turned everything around for good. I battled alcoholism for 23 years of my life. It began back in 1973, the year I graduated from high school. I committed myself to a treatment center in 1984 in Wisconsin, only to walk out 22 days later. I went to Al-Anon, AA. I tried abstinence throughout those 23 years, and nothing, I did not succeed at any of those efforts. And it wasn't until I cried out to the Lord that I was able to quit drinking. But even though I was sober, I still had a long battle to go with my mind, my past. And I didn't know that I could be forgiven for all of the things that I had done in those 23 years. And there was always always someone there to remind me of what I had done, either in the physical or Satan was there, his voices taunting me, tormenting me, trying to destroy me, even when I strive so hard to get well and recover. And on my 40th birthday in 1995, I was to the point where I could not quit drinking. My body was in a state where it couldn't accept anymore, but it couldn't live without it. And I went into DTs at home and Les brought me into the emergency room. It was a Sunday, October 8th. And there I was diagnosed with mild to moderate cirrhosis of the liver. My heart was broken, my health was gone, and I really, literally felt like I was losing my mind. And the following Easter, Les and I came here to the Easter pageant, and this was really the first opportunity that I had been given to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I didn't know I could be forgiven for all of my sins, and this was an offer that 
was free, a free gift to me, and by golly, I was going to accept it. And I went forward and I hung on to Les, and the floor literally rumbled under my feet. And God had waited so long for me to come to Him. And when His Holy Spirit entered me, it came in with a warmth and like a thunder just passed through my body. I could barely stand and I wasn't the same for days. All I did was go home and cry because I felt such a burden lifted and I knew I didn't have to carry the weight of the world and the weight of my past on my shoulders anymore and that I could be a captive that was set free. And a lot happened in the next several years, but then in 2001, God led me to Teen Challenge. And this is really where I began to grow spiritually and started attending Christian Life Center on a regular basis. And I thank God every day for Jan Henderson, who helped me, who was patient with me. And I know that I squeezed her fruit of patience several times, and I just love you, Jan, and I thank God for what you helped me through. I felt like I went through the program with the ladies. And then it came to a point where I wanted to take all that I had learned and get out and apply it to my life and get out and be a blessing. And just, I live to be a blessing to someone every day instead of wallowing in my pity and keeping to myself. And I know when I get overwhelmed with life and I get frustrated, that is when I have taken my eyes off of Jesus. And I can't afford to do that. And God is still working on me. I've come a long ways, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Amen. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but let God remake you so that your whole attitude and my, of mind is changed. That's what happened to Valerie. Her whole attitude, everything changed by the power of God. And there's a myth that goes on and it says something like, I can't change. Some of you have said that. I don't have the ability to change. I worked at it, but I can't do anything about it. I've read books, I've gone to seminars, I've, I've gone to treatment centers, I've listened to tapes, I've done everything I know how to do, but I still can't change. But there is somebody that can change you, and you saw that in this testimony. And what happened to Valerie happens to hundreds of people in this room and around this city. And here's what happens. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. You come from the old life and you begin to take on some of these characteristics. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. So rather than being loved, we usually feel unloved or unlovely. Rather than have joy, we walk around with a defeated attitude. 
Rather than peace, we feel uptight and pressured. Rather than patience, we're frustrated and irritated. Instead of kindness, it's every man for himself. Do others before they have a chance to do you. And when it comes to goodness, we say there's nothing good in me and there's nothing good in anybody else. Faithfulness, many people feel betrayed and they feel rejected, they feel alone. And gentleness, we normally feel angry and resentful. And self-control, you say my life is falling apart. Well, you heard a testimony this morning and we could multiply that by hundreds of people. God changes people's lives. And so they begin to take on the characteristics of Jesus Christ, which are the fruits of the Spirit. There's one thing that keeps us from really turning things around and giving ourselves to God, and that is the dreaded word procrastination. We all do it. Oh, you know, one of these days I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a better husband or I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going to start tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to start a diet. Tomorrow I'm going to start exercising. I'm just using an illustration now. You want to understand. But we always put off, tomorrow I'm going to become a Christian. One of these days I'm going to do what Valerie did. And I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ one of these days. We say that and we, we maybe said it last Easter and you're here again today and you're saying it again. And, and if you don't do anything about it now, you'll be saying it again next Easter if Jesus tarries. So we procrastinate. We put off making changes of what is good for us. Maybe complacency. Maybe we're too lazy to do anything. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's pride. Whatever it is, the hardest thing in life is to get going and just do it. What does Easter mean to you? Is it just a time when you come to church to see what's going on? Is it an ancient event that's still celebrated? I've been to the tomb several times in Jerusalem, and I want to tell you that it's empty. The, you know, Mohammed is dead, but Jesus is alive. And since he's alive, he gives us the power to change. He gives us the ability to change. He is available. He will give you the power to get started if you really want to get started. Why can't I change? Why can't I be consistent? Why can't I stick to it when I try to make a change? Because you don't have the power on your own. You need the power of Jesus Christ, the resurrected power of God. Have you been able to let go of your past? Or do you still struggle with it? 
I want to tell you this morning, it's never too late to change. Jesus offers you eternal life. Some of you may feel, you know, I, I, last time I did this, I had a $20 bill. And uh, I put my hand in my pocket this morning and all I had was a $1 bill. Um, and when I said that, somebody said we should take an offering and I said, fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But if I, if I take this dollar bill, I can do anything with it. See, I could, I could crush it up. I could throw it down. I could step on it. I could throw it in water, throw it in the mud. I can do anything with it. But I can unfold it, and it's still worth a dollar. I can still go down to the local gas station here and probably buy a Coke or something. It's still worth whatever it was before I started mangling it. Some of you are in this room today and you feel crushed. You feel like you've been bruised. You feel like Satan has beat you up. You feel like there's no hope for you anymore. But I want to tell you this morning that Jesus, what he did on the cross, he did it for you. He thought so much of you. You were so valuable to him that he died for you so that you could feel worth something because you are very worthwhile to God. Valerie didn't feel worthwhile when she came into this building about 10 years ago. She felt totally defeated and lost, crushed, bruised, hopeless. Many of you have gone through the same thing, but there are some of you here you need to go through this this morning. And you need to come to somebody who loves you. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he offers you a free gift of eternal life. never to forget all the wonderful things that you've done in my life.